welcome to the Resist Bob podcast, hosted by me, Melanie Dion. Join me this week and every week as I chat with the advocates and activists in your neighborhood at the intersection where policy meets people. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back to the Resist By Podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Dion, where every week we discuss the issues and introduce you to the organizers and advocates that highlight how policy impacts the real people in the neighborhoods around the country. I hope you enjoyed your summer. I definitely did. Mine was quite eventful. But after this long break, I'm ready to jump right in to our guest that I am so excited about. I'm very excited not only about the guests, but about this incredible movement that they have helped bring together. And I guess Tiffany Flowers and Leslie Mack, welcome. Thanks, Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here and so grateful to all of your support to our work and to Resist Bot for supporting us as well. Thanks for having us. Peace, Resist Bot family. Thank you so much for being here. Let's, before we get into Day Without Us, which I'm excited to talk about, let's talk about you. Let's talk about who you are and what you do in your day to day. We can start with Leslie. <laughs> Sure, I can start. So I'm Leslie Mack. Uh, you see her pronouns. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am a digital strategist and communications expert. I serve as the communications director for The Frontline, in addition to running my own consulting firm. And I'm also the communications lead for Day Without Us, which we're going to talk about today. And I'll toss it over to Tiffany. Miss Tiffany Flowers. Hey, 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 the one and probably not only. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany Flowers, she, her pronouns. Uh, In my day job, I work at the front line. I'm really, really thrilled that I get to work with Leslie Mack and Angela Peoples every day. We are a campaign that was built together with the Working Families Party and the Movement for Black Lives Electoral Justice Project, the Rising Majority, and United We Dream. We were born the summer of 2020 after the murder of George Floyd and the uprising that happened. And we helped support taking those 27 million people who hit the streets and helping them galvanize that energy right on into electoral justice at the polls. So we're gearing up to do it again in 2022 right now because we know, as Ense Ufat says, the very people that we elect in the coming weeks will be the people who determine 2024. Absolutely. And then there's the accountability. The work continues. Getting them in office is one part of of the puzzle. I want to talk about what that other part of the puzzle is when we talk about advocacy, activism, holding feet to the fire, calls to action, and of course, the day without us. How did that come to be? How how was this birthed? I'll let Tiffany tell the story the best. I'm going to let her tell it. (laughs) She always says this, but long story long, I've known Leslie Mack. I met her at the Movement for Black Lives Convening right after Sandra Bland was murdered. And I always wanted to work with Leslie Mack. Like, let me be a little fangirl for it. Let me tell the whole story. (laughs) I always wanted to work with Leslie Mack and got the opportunity to start working with her on the front line. And you know how you ever work with someone who's just so great at what they do. You're like, every project I work on, I want this person to be involved because they bring that element to the team of just sharpness and smartness. And Leslie's just, for those that don't know, a calm genius. And so Leslie and I were about to embark on another project in democracy space with this group of other organizers, Rhea Thompson-Washington, Angela Peoples, and Tracy Corder. 
And the project didn't come to be, but we kept this group thread open and kind of used it as a repository. You know how they say everything don't belong on the timeline. So (laughs) listen, you got to hold some of that shit back. Okay. I was just touching agreeing that yes, everything can go on the timeline. Some of that stuff we got to keep behind, you know, some privacy wall. Everything does not belong. I love saying, oh, I'm a big fan of saying y'all don't have a group chat, sister circle, (laughs) friends too. Yeah. Hello. Because there's so much, there's so much of this that is frustrating. That is, that touches on our own triggers that we have to get it out. We're still people. We have to get this out, but we don't have to get it out in front of everybody. I think there's a specific pressure too for folks that do the work that we do. Right. Because the public expects you to constantly be providing commentary, framing, resource. The expectation is that anything you put out is there to be consumed in a specific way. And Mm -hmm. so these private spaces are where we get to like shed those more professional masks and be ourselves and really be like, look, this, it really hurts. Like Mm -hmm. I'm hurting. This feels awful. Yeah. So just shout out to the group chat because it's life-saving. Amen. Life-saving and affirming. It keeps me from cussing on the timeline because my mom trolls my timeline. Weirdest thing. I'm 44. Let it go. (laughs) Don't be cussing on the internet. So... (laughs) I'll be cussing in the group chat, mama. So, <laughs> I rest his soul. I blocked my dad when he was alive. So I was like, we're not doing this. Block. I saw him. I was like, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, get it. We need a grown black children's recovery club for stuff like that. <laughs> right. I pay my own bills and I'm doing stressful work. I'm going to say a lot and you won't always like it. I'm like so on the we- internet sometimes. Right. So we're in this group chat and we're dropping articles there. We're discussing things. We're chopping it up and it's been open for months and it's not a like always popping group chat. Right. And then the leak happens and everybody is of course WTFing up and down the group chat. And then mm-hmm. the decision drops, the DOS decision drops. And we're just like, Oh my God, they really did it. They took it and ran it. All the way. It's like very real. What are we supposed to do, y'all? And we were really upset. Like Leslie said, we talked a lot about our feelings and just like we're organizers. We're supposed to be, like she said, popping into action and ready to respond. And everybody was just paralyzed. Like they really did it. Then, you know, there were the organic actions, there were the organized actions, and there was a lot of discussion about who was going to be harmed, right? Black folks, brown folks, birthing people in the South, birthing people in rural areas, people in states where there was already very limited access to reproductive health. And so we weren't, we were hearing this narrative, but not seeing those faces. We were hearing this narrative, but not seeing the organizations and the leaders who've been doing this work lifted up, people driving resources to their work. And we were like, there's got to be something that we can do. So I'll let Leslie take it from there. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's really, it was born out of this need to kind of think of one particular intervention that is led by individuals, not a specific organization, not a formation that's meant to stay in place indefinitely. We really were just seven individual organizers across movements that saw a way to offer you know, something we saw that was missing in the space and really kind of taking up space in ways that 
Black women tend to because we kind of, we have to. We know that we have to meet the moment because our folks are expecting and needing us to, to lean into care and concern and support for them. And so Day Without Us, we just kind of started ideating around what this could look like. And first stop, of course, with our friends and reproductive justice to kind of talk to them about what we were thinking, if they thought this would be helpful, because one of our goals is to really dial folks into their work directly and bypassing some of the more white-focused I wouldn't even call reproductive justice, maybe reproductive health organizations that take up a lot of space and a lot of resources. And we wanted to provide an opportunity to highlight folks that are doing this grassroots work at a local level. They were very down and ready to go. Folks like In Our Own Voices and folks like Black Feminist Future, the AFIA Center, Sister Reach, all of these amazing organizations. And then we hit up our voting rights folks, Black Voters Matter, Move on, color of change, talk to them about like, hey, we want to bring this into a larger conversation to link our movements and really make the case that reproductive justice and the framing that it provides calls on all of us to break down the silos between our movement spaces and really link arms with each other in a way that supports all of our movements comprehensively. Our opposition is very clear. Their arms are linked. They are moving in lockstep with one another and speaking with one voice. And we have not had that opportunity to really make that push on our side of things. And so this is a a way for folks to get informed. Uh, We're going to be having a virtual teach-in with some really amazing conversations to help people understand some of this lingo, some of these concepts, and really about this framework of reproductive justice and talk about why this is such a necessary intervention. When people say, listen to Black women, this is an opportunity to do just that. And then we have a pop-up scheduled all around the country where communities are going to be getting together with these local organizers and organizations to be joyful together, to have fun together, to laugh, to connect, to learn more about the work, to learn what needs exist and what needs folks can meet with their time, talent, and treasure. And so it's really an offering for folks that have been in all of our DMs asking us, what can we do? What do we do next? What's, what can I be doing? We got you. September 30th, stay home. Join us at daywithoutus.com and then connect locally with local reproductive justice organizations, um, especially Black-led reproductive justice organizations to see how you can fit into this work right away. And what I love in the messaging is how you point out that this is for everybody in the actual, when I first started reading and the end for everybody who is sick and tired of being sick and tired. And how many times do we deal with that where we're, we feel like we're having the same conversation about different things, but the end result is the same. Why are they doing this? Why are they ignoring us? Why are they, if the majority of the people in the country feel this way, why are they going the other way when this is a democracy? So I appreciate that so much where it's, Leading the way of intersectionality as so often when that table does not exist, it's just historically proven that Black women have to create those tables, if only so that other people can come in and join us. Because otherwise, those 
opportunities are not always available to us. So first of all, thank you for this. Thank you for even giving the opportunity to be involved in something of this magnitude. You mentioned Rhea Thompson-Wallace, who the Resist Bot fam is familiar with from the Resist Bot Live days. Also someone else who's involved, Vilissa Thompson. Nene Taylor from Harriet's Wildest Dreams is another familiar name and face. So these are people that we're familiar with that we can connect to. But can you talk more about some of the other organizations that are involved that large and small who have said, let's throw our hats in? Because I know that for, and we'll talk about the pop-ups in a little bit, but for those pop-ups, Ben and Jerry's said, if you're having a pop-up, we got ice cream for you. So can you talk a little bit about what those, how the larger organizations are providing their support? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things we really wanted to be specific about is that this isn't a pay-to-play type of intervention with these national partners. Yes, obviously there's money that needs to be put into these efforts and we have to spend money to, to put on this event. But we didn't want to make that the determining factor to engaging with this work because we recognize that some organizations are small with small budgets and some, the largest that they're going to be able to provide for this effort is just funding, right? And so a lot of this was really about talking to to national partners from that perspective of like, what can you provide? What are the best ways to utilize the resources that you have? And so we have, you know, large organizations like March for Our Lives and Moms Rising and Me Too. And then we have smaller organizations that are on the ground, like Survivors Know in Chicago and uh, Southern Workers Assembly. And we have Until Freedom in DC and Harriet's Wildest Dreams. We have you know, other large organizations like the Working Families Party, who's our fiscal sponsor. Shout out to everyone at WFP. Like seriously, y'all are just the baddest, dopest family. We're so glad to be able to work with you on such a regular basis, but also Women's March. And we have some great youth organizations that are, are participating in the Graduate Student Action Network. And students are gearing up for a strike uh, the week after this. So we are so excited to really have set this table in a way that allows people to bring the best of themselves to it and their full selves to it as well. And can you, for those pop-ups, can you first let us know what the framing of the day is going to look like? Because I know you have, there's going to be the teaching and then there'll be the pop-ups after. So can you let folks know a little bit about what the time frame will look like for the programming? Go ahead, Tiff. Sure. Yeah. So we actually thought if folks are going to take this day and be brave and resist all the systems, as many of the systems that work against us to oppress us, the very least thing that we could do is not ask them to join the programming at 8 a.m. The second least thing we could do is not exhibit East Coast supremacy, as it's called, and um, not make a way for our West Coast friends. So we're actually going to start the programming at a nice and very relaxed 1130 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know it's still early California, West Coast friends, but we thought it would be a lovely time to start. So 1130 is just warming the room up. We're going to share some footage and some really interesting straight to camera talks about the people in your neighborhood and existing work and things that you've already seen maybe and maybe some folks you don't know and then we're going to jump right into the programming at 12 o'clock we'll have a host and some of our team members really setting the stage for the day and walking us through like leslie said we have some conversations planned with some likely folks again that you know and some folks that you might not know i'm really excited she mentioned the graduate student action network is going to hop on and Talk about the student strike that's happening October 6th. I didn't even know about this until we got connected to them through Day Without Us. So 
lots of information sharing about all the ways that these different organizations and individuals are pushing back through the framework of reproductive justice and naming the threat and the threats. And then the pop-ups are starting what we're seeing now, like Atlanta's going to actually go starting at 11 a.m. So they're going to have an area, I think, in the park where you could just chill and watch the programming because we're running it straight from our website. No login, no extra steps. Just come join us at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at daywithoutus.com. And they're going to have tabling all day. They're going to have, they're going to be partnering with groups on the ground to do voter registration, share information about how to get yourself the help that you need if you want to have an abortion, if you want to do it at home, if there are different ways that you need to gather information to make good decisions, if you're a trans youth, if you're new to the community, all sorts of information, because we also want to live our values now and show people that community is an action word, right? It is something that we live in. It's something that we thrive in. It's something that we join and we talk and we sit and we eat and we agree and we disagree. But we all understand that we're here with each other and therefore responsible for each other and need to be at least civil and kind towards each other. And that's what we're trying to help build. I want to point out something that you said, and it's this is something that's also in your messaging and how you want to, since you, you didn't know about the strike until you got connected with Day Without Us, and your messaging specifically talks about how all of our movements are connected and how that's a part of why this is so necessary. And I want to dig in a little bit too. September 30th is a big day, but Day Without Us, its principles, the movement, that's not over and done on September 30th, correct? That's absolutely right, Mel. This question I love the most of all the questions people ask us is like, what happens? What happens really lies in each an individual, each individual user person that joins, right? Because our goal is even if there isn't a pop-up where you live, that if you join our programming, if you get to see all of these phenomenal people who are doing this work and have chapters across the country, that you find something that 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 sparks interest in you. You came because you were interested. Now let's help you really find the place you want to plug in and dig in and learn more and do some work, right? Because the other part of our messaging is everybody is not going to be Katniss Everdeen. Everybody is not going to be the person that stands at the front of the march with the megaphone. Everybody's not going to be the person that gives the I have a dream speech, but everybody can make sandwiches. Everybody can pass out vests. Everybody can hand out water. Everybody can give an encouraging word. Everybody has a brain with some capacity to learn a new skill that could be of assistance to you and your family and therefore your family and the community. And that's really the spirit of this day, right? We want folks to know that we feel you. We see you. Yeah, we're organizers and we live and eat and breathe in this space every day. And we're also sad and we're also frustrated and we also want to be in community now more than ever, because we also understand that unsettling feeling that we're all feeling is because the future is not looking that bright right now. <laughs> and to your point about September 30th being a big day, September 30th is three days before the Supreme Court comes back for their term this year. 
And I don't know if any of you have been following along, but um, they are wilding. They are wilding. Wilding and very intentional and not, I mean, literal Babe Ruth pointing like, no, there's no ambiguity here. Like pretense is gone. I've been joking. I, I was on another podcast. I said, I was like, I'm tired of living in unprecedented times. I need things to be precedented again. Like, can we go back to precedented just for a few days, just to, just to take a breath? I'm tired. The, the Obama beige suit. Can we just be mad about something like a beige suit? Can that be the, the most dramatic thing of a day? Let's start with not living in the onion. Hello? At this, these news cycles, how are we even supposed to like keep our head above water? You turn around, it's one more that can't be true. It is true. How many times a day do you even say that? That can't be right. Oh, it is right. It's just yeah no I mean and that no like this is a love offering right that's what everybody should know we truly have love in our hearts for our communities for the possibility of what this world what this place could be and we are determined to fight for it to teach other people and show other people how to fight for it and not continue to let this hellscape be the dictating factor in our everyday lives period. Yeah. You know, something Tiffany taught me uh, over the years is that the biggest impediment to people becoming uh, involved in this work and being organized generally is fear. And so, you know, this is an opportunity to help people overcome the paralysis that so many of us find ourselves in right now in the face of all of these things that have come up over the last decade and certainly the last few years have been particularly transparent in the lack of safety nets that exist for us. And, uh, you know, this is globally, but certainly here in the United States specifically, it's been a real eye-opener. People are having to confront really long-held truths that were foundational, right, to their understanding of the world. That's not easy. It's not easy. And I'll also say that in this way, which is that it's not just white people that have to have that moment of understanding and clarity. I think often we frame it as though marginalized people don't have to have their own conversations. The first revolution starts within is not just a phrase. It's really true. And the ask is that you show up with an open heart, a willing mind, and the possibility of learning something new and being open to, to what Mary Hooks refers to as being transformed in the service of the work. And so that's really what the ask and the offering is to come be in community with us, with all of these organizations, all these organizers, and be willing to be transformed in the service of the work. And that was something for the audience. When I sat in on the first meeting, one of the things that was pointed out, we're not perfect. These are not perfect people who are behind this. We are all learning unlearning, transforming. And that is the important thing, the willingness, the willingness to recreate what exists right now, to reform that and to, and to dismantle the things that can't be reformed because some can't be reformed. And we have to be honest about that. For example, I've been very vocal on this show. The police cannot be reformed. That is no. not. And when you look at how, A, we recognize it cannot be reformed, and how many people, how many marginalized people still see the police as a viable resource as, you know, when we deal with crimes against us, when we deal with crimes in our neighborhood, that's still the first place so many of us go, even though this is something that has just been historically harmful 
to marginalize people, not only black people, brown people, people with mental illness, anyone who does not fit in a straight, white, abled form. So I appreciate that so much. Let's talk about where they can find you, where they can follow you, and where people can learn more about Day Without Us. So for Day Without Us, you can go to daywithoutus.com. We are there. We're also on all of the social media platforms at Day Without Us on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Day Without Us 2022. So you can follow us on all those platforms. But if you go to daywithoutus.com, all that information is there. You can also register there. You can also donate to us there. You can check out our national partners there. You can also sign up to host a pop-up. It is not too late for you to host a pop-up in your city. We are we have an amazing team led by Angela Peoples that is supporting all of our pop-ups around the country. And they it can be as simple as you in your living room with a few friends watching the teaching and having a conversation after it. That is a pop-up. If you are in a city that has a Ben & Jerry's ice cream scoop shop, uh, we would be happy to connect you and make sure that you get ice cream to your event as well. And we have some other goodies that we will send along to support. So definitely check out the website again, daywithoutus.com. You can check me out. You can go to lousymac.com and find all of my information there. Yeah. On Twitter, I'm just lousymac, M-A-C. Check me out. I'll be out there talking my stuffs. (laughs) Tiffany, how about you? Oh, and also make sure you follow the frontline because we just launched our election defenders program for 2022 last night. And we are across the country supporting and defending our rights to have free fair, uh, safe elections for people and that they are not intimidated or scared at the ballot box. And so we are launching across the country. We need volunteers and hands <coughs> all over the place to help us do that important work. We're going to be starting trainings next week. So check out the frontline as well, thefrontline.org. Okay, go ahead. Tim. Boom, boom, gang, 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 <laughs> frontline. <laughs> I am on Twitter, ms. Flowers like roses, tweets, Miss Flowers tweets. I don't know. It was 2011. I like the handle. I'm going to hang on to it. <laughs> Blessed be you. I think you're the only person, maybe you and Leslie, with your original handles. Yeah, it's true. 2011, when I met Mel handle. I met Mel on Twitter for the audience to know. And Mel was very kind to me as a new resident in Washington, D.C. and invited me out to dance parties. That is a little known fact about how our friendship started. And then brunches and we got to know each other over the years. And so Twitter, I always want to leave the bird app, but just so much goodness on there. My goodness. On Instagram, I'm just Miss Flowers, MS Flowers. Yeah. I'm just here on the internet, hanging out, organizing. I'm on I'm on the streets more than I'm on the internet. But, you know, follow along if you'd like. Yes, Resist Spot, I was. I was a dance machine. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you both so much. We are going to, I want everybody to stay on alert because we're going to be having a wonderful Twitter space discussing discussing a day without us, day without us, and also how you can get involved this podcast is going to drop on September 27th. So it's a, if it's September 27th and you're wondering, oh, what can I do in three days? We're going to be having a Twitter space on the day this podcast drops so you can learn what you can do in three days. So thank you both for joining. Cannot wait to be a part of September 30th and what comes beyond. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. I mean, just a joy 
a pleasure, another dream come true to work with another friend. So, you know, Black women have, always will, and every day save my life. So thank you for being one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So excited to work with you both. I mean, both of us, what, 10, 11 years that we've known each other and a dream come true for me too. And I'm so excited for what is going to come from this and beyond. Same. We're very excited. We'll see you all on September 30th. So be ready, everybody. And we're also here with the guest who needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce her anyway, because I love to. Friend of the show, friend of mine, Valissa Thompson. Hi, Valissa. Hey, Mel. It's so great to be back. Oh, goodness. Always good to have you here. I'm so glad. A, excited to see you as usual. But B, our ability to talk about something, this movement that is so impactful, that is going to be so impactful, Day Without Us. Can we talk a bit, remind folks of who you are, reintroduce yourself, and also talk a little bit about how your organization, Ramp Your Voice, your work intersects with this and your role with Day Without Us? Well, for new listeners and current listeners, I am Alyssa Thompson. I am the founder of Ramp Your Voice, the organization that centers the experiences of people. My work deals with intersectionality, particularly through the lens of race, gender, and disability. And I centered the experiences of Black disabled girls, women, and films like myself. And when it comes to Day Without Us, a blessing, as I look at it, developed by, created by Black women during this time where we really need to have our voices heard and our experiences heard when it comes to the battle, particularly after Roe, you know, has been overturned. So this earlier this summer, I was approached by my colleague, Tiffany Flowers, about this project that she and a few other, other Black women that I knew and some that were new to me are developing and asked me if I would be interested in being a part of it. And of course, in a time able to be around Black women, be in community with Black women, it most likely would be yes. So in hearing more about this work, and I was like, oh gosh, yes, particularly with the timeliness, with the urgency of needing this in this moment, it was a yes. So I've been on board about two months now. Can I believe it's been two months? in full in engagement with this group and really taking on an important role. There's been so much that I have learned over the past two months, engaging with everyone, you know, just really seeing Black women turn nothing into something and really being intentional about their mission, who they're bringing in to the work, how they want this work to be shaped and being unapologetic throughout it all. So this has probably been the most enriching project I have taken on in 2020. And, you know, I'm just really glad to share the space and to really see, you know, how things come together come Friday on the 30th. I think you're one of those folks who, when I look at a movement, when I look at what's happening, I want to see who's involved. You know, that matters. We can, and it's not from a, it's not from a standpoint of cloud or any of that, but reputation matters. Who puts their name on something? And when you know that someone has done the work, has pulled the receipts, has looked and seen, yeah, this is legit. And this is something that I am comfortable putting not only my name on, but also my work, my elbow grease. Right. You're one of those folks. So 
the involvement from a personal level of, you know, of mine and also from an organizational level with ResistBot, it was absolutely a no-brainer with you being such a respected friend of mine and respected member of the ResistBot community. So thank you, A, because little known fact, even though I know Tiffany and Leslie very well and was very excited to work with them and see them because they are some of those similar voices. Valissa is the person who reached out to me and said, hey, girl, this is what we're working on. And I think you would really be into it. And she was absolutely right. When it comes down to intersectionality, and let's talk specifically about your work, Valissa, and how you are always, your focus, again, Black, disabled women, girls, femmes. Let's talk a bit about making that room at the table. Can you talk a bit about how ensuring that intersectionality is not just Black women, trans women, but also disabled women. Can you talk about what it was like to make sure that was factored into creating this space in this movement? Yes. I think that one thing I've learned in my work is it's always Black women and films who bring me into these spaces. It's never, you know, not to be shady, it's never Black men, masculine folks. It is always Black women and films because we understand the sectionality because of our own experiences. And to keep it real, many of us are disabled, whether we self-identify as that publicly or not. So Black women are always the ones who I see being intentional about understanding disability, you know, within their work, ensuring that things are accessible and bringing the people who can really get them on board to what they want it to be. They're the ones who are the most proactive. So it's not surprising to me that I'm yet again in a space that is either predominantly or in this case, all Black women led and supported and to be brought in in this way. And when it comes to reproductive justice, reproductive rights, disabled people are the population that get overlooked within the movement space of repro justice and in our experiences. You know, we experience high levels of sexual violence and domestic violence or intimate partner violence than our non-disabled peers. There are huge barriers in us being able to access reproductive health services. The right to parent is a battle for disabled people since we can have our rights taken away as parents simply because we're disabled. You know, so when you look at reproductive justice, reproductive health, reproductive rights, it is undeniably a disability issue, a disability rights issue. And it would be inconceivable to not have disabled people being involved in this, whether it's co-organizer like myself or being brought in to educate or to help ensure that there's access to resources so that we can engage in the conversation. So I think that Day Without Us is an example of, of what does it mean to be intentional about including everybody and everyone, you know, not just in the moment of the event, but also in the preparation leading up to the event. So being a part of this coincides with my morals and ethics and passions to be in such spaces where I am seen not just within my professional hats, but also could bring in that personal scope as well. And some of the things I've been able to do is bring in other disabled women films who have assisted in other ways of either being a part of some of the workings that needs to be done with the outreach or being a part of the curriculum on development or going to be some of the folks that we see on the day of the event. So disability is interwoven into the fabric of Day Without Us as it should be interwoven in all the spaces that we have, particularly when it centers Black people of all disability types, 
about experiences. Thank you so much for that, Melissa, because that is exactly the, the thing we've talked about. This isn't the first time we've had this conversation. Right. When you've been on the show, when we've had other discussions earlier this year, when we were able to talk to Robin, repro justice being hand in hand with disability rights was right there. And it's a consistent issue. Bodily autonomy, which is an, in, which is an intersection. It intersects between disability rights and reproductive justice. And that's the intention of Day Without Us, to show how all of these causes, somewhere we cross, we, we intersect, somewhere there's a meeting place and being able to unify those voices. We were able to talk to Erin Lang this weekend on our Twitter space, and she so eloquently put how all of these, all of these voices, we need to find those places where we can unify because the right has gotten in lockstep. They have their voice. They have their singular voice that they speak in. So when you think about the singular voice that we want to have, even though we won't agree on everything and we can't just, when we can't be so naive as to say, we're going to ignore our needs. And, you know, especially when our needs are our needs. It's not to say that for the sake of the greater good, but how can, when we talk about finding that unified voice, what would you ask of our listeners, of anyone who's interested in getting involved in Day Without Us when you speak on what that, the voice of the people, as y'all put it, who are sick and tired of being sick and tired? What would your ask be for not only September 30th, but also beyond that? My ask would be, if not now, when? It is critical for all of us to figure out what we can do. And it doesn't have to be some grand gesture or act. It could be something small. You know, it could be like for a day without us, you and your homegirls watching the broadcast and learning something new as to how you can engage in a community. That's community in that sense. And then you coming together and brainstorming like, what can we do for the kids? What can, you, can we do for ourselves? What can we do for the elders in our community? When, we, when people think about getting involved, it's always these big gestures. And it's not that. It could be something that's having a one-on-one conversation, you know, making sure that people understand what's happening. I think one of the things that really make me proud of being a part of this project is that we want to get to the everyday folks. This is what this is for. It's not for the usual suspects in this movement, in this work. It is for everyday people. But it is everyday people who's going to be the greatest, you know, the greatest impacted by everything that's happening and in the ways to engage with everyday people, provide them with information. Information is power because then you can take that information and you can share it. Then you can figure out ways to be engaged and to go beyond just the learning of it. So I really feel that movements like Day Without Us is really instrumental. It's in getting everyday people involved in these spaces. And it's not just about asking them to donate to things. I always pounding them for money for this and that. It's about giving them the tools to figure out what they can do in a community and then let them do that. And on their own terms, you know, have autonomy as to how they engage, what they do with their time, what they do with their resources. I think that's the really instrumental key for me when it comes to Day Without Us is that everybody, you know, we're saying Beyonce, everybody, everybody, is every damn body needs to be here be in this moment because it's going to impact us for generations. It's going to impact the quality of life and the type of lives we want to live. You know, and it's happening now. It's happening every day. We see it with our schools. We see it 
with the laws that's getting more restrictive as to what we're able to do with our bodies, it's happening in this moment. And we cannot afford to just be, you know, locked in the fear. Fear is real right now. It's fear of the unknown, fear of how bad things are going to be and have already gotten. But you can't get stuck in that fear. You know, you have to go and migrate to action. And this moment is a part of the action, giving you some direction as to what you can do. You can still be afraid, but be afraid and have a plan. Be afraid and have some tools. Be afraid and still be loud about what you know is right for yourself, for the generations to come, for the communities that exist today. This is the moment. And I feel like if folks have been needing something to latch on to and to really feel whole about, Day Without Us is that moment. And... I know for me, it has really energized me to be a part of this because as you were saying earlier, I don't put my name on everything. I am very particular about that. So for me to say that I am a part of Day Without Us, how proud I am of it, really, that's, really should be the signal that this is the real deal. And I, I have worked with six other incredible Black women who are dynamic in their own right, you know, in the different spaces that they occupy, but seeing of seven of us come together has been phenomenal and really shows me that black women as always will lead the way black women as always would create the spaces that we all need and if you're going to say trust black women follow black women all that rhetoric this is the moment to do that thank you so much felissa very excited <laughs> i'm super excited <laughs> for the 30th and to be a part of not only this week but where we go next can you let people know Remind people where they can find you and your work. Yes. I am at Valissa Thompson on all the social media platforms. My website is rampyourvoice.com. I am always available to do consulting, trainings, writing, speaking engagements within my scope as a social worker, activist, and someone who understands intersectionality and urging everyone to really fully understand that every social and political issue that you care about has a disability lens and that you need to not just be aware of it and also proactive to, to include it and to ensure that the gaps that exist get um, smaller over time. Thank you so much, Felissa. And thank you all for listening. This has been season two, our The Return of the Resist By podcast. I'm your host, Melanie Dion. I want to thank you so much for joining. I want to thank Resist By for creating this space. If you want to support ResistBot, go to resist.bot. If you would like to donate, if you're looking for volunteer opportunities, the midterms are coming up. Text VOTE to 50409 to check your registration, to register if you're a first-time voter. This is the time. And as Valissa put so eloquently, if not now, when? I want to thank Leslie Mack. I want to thank Tiffany Flowers. I want to thank Felissa Thompson. And I also want to thank Aaron Lang, who was amazing this weekend, this Sunday on our Twitter space, which we will have the audio in the post for this, for this podcast episode. So I highly recommend that you tune in. It's 30 minutes, but it is great. It is impactful. And it tells you so much about what comes next. And one of the things that Aaron very eloquently said was, it's up to you. It's up to each one of us what comes after September 30th. 
and Resistbot will be there. If you would like to start your own petition about your own call to action that is spur- that is that is sparked by by a day without us, text Resist to five zero four zero nine. There will also be petitions that we will share the call sign with. Stay tuned to Resistbot because we are going to be part of this movement now and beyond. So I want to thank you again for joining us. And until next time, see you then. Peace. The ResistBot Podcast is a production of ResistBot Action Fund, a social welfare nonprofit organization. ResistBot is funded by monthly donors like you. Support ResistBot by texting DONATE to 50409. You can learn more and see a complete guide to using the service, a real-time list of trending petitions, learn how to organize your own pressure campaigns, or launch your own voter pledge drives at www.resist.bot. Thanks so much for joining, and we'll see you next week.